folks, I'm Wound Care Karen. I love being a nurse and I have a passion for wound care. I want to inspire nurses, educate patients, and have a little fun along the way. Today's episode is specifically for nurses and I am so excited to introduce my guest. Her name is Maggie Ortiz and she's a nurse and she's a nurse advocate. Welcome, welcome Maggie. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. Well, first, I would love for you to explain your nursing history. Like, how did you come to be a nurse advocate? Sure. So I've been a nurse for 23 years now. I'm going on my 23rd year. So I started as an ADN nurse for 17 years in the hospital, critical care, ICU, ER, pre-op, PACU, endoscopy suite, interventional radiology, eventually on to the cath lab and electrophysiology where I've spent like the last five or so, 10 years, you know, five years I was there pretty much full time. When I had been practicing for about 17 years, had helped open up a freestanding emergency room, just got tired with, you know, just that whole deal. And I saw that there was a position opened. I mean, I think like all nurses were always looking for that other job, right? Yeah. So I saw something opened at the Board of Nursing as an investigator for the Texas Board of Nursing. I applied, interviewed, and then got the position. So then I just saw some things there that concerned me. And I I don't stand alone in this um, position and I just have learned things along my journey as far as some of the lack of what I feel is due process that a nurse has extended. So that's what's led me to my nursing advocacy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I personally, I have learned so much from you. I really, really have. Um, wow. So that must have been a bummer because, you know, when you join a new job, you want to do so well and you want to have a great workplace. And, oh, you just found things uh weren't so weren't so great huh no just like I you know scream and yell on other platforms I I had to leave and I tell nurses that it doesn't matter even for me the unit or the department that you're choosing to be in if it's not a fit for you then then as nurses we are amazing people and uniquely aligned to do whatever we want if you want to do you know, critical care today and full care tomorrow you know what you can do that yes we're amazing people so I left. I left and I went back to the cath lab. Imagine that. I felt comfortable. (laughs) That's cool. That's neat. Yeah, no, I'm a firm believer in that too. If you you have to believe in the mission and values of your employer or or please leave. And like you said, there's plenty of other places for us nurses to land for sure. Yeah. But and currently we're we're in the midst of a huge, huge revolution in nursing. Nurses now, more than ever, they seem to be under attack. It's it's just rampant. And I've heard some people even call it a witch hunt. Sometimes I call it a witch hunt. Do, do you agree with that term? I'm not. And again, I think, I don't know that I've heard it before. Actually, I've heard people say that they're coming after us. Now, mm-hmm. I do believe there be to be some truth to that because you know why we're pushing back. What happens in any toxic, toxic or abusive relationship when you try to change the boundaries? We're here yes. and we, it's not like this is all brand new. There are people who've been asking and saying the same things now for decades. 
decades. I literally was listening to a podcast by the RNA ladies, and I hate that I don't even know this gentleman's name who was on there, but he literally was quoting a nurse from 1943. Yes, and I, I didn't know too. when. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. He read a quote and it talked about um, poor staffing, right? And staffing All prices. And he said, guess yes. what year this was written? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't lead with that because you don't know. No. When. He doesn't lead with that. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then no, he like, buries oh that my God. That was, that was an awesome punchline. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so, right. So the nursing, well, the, the staffing crisis is not new. So, you know, so clearly nurses have felt to be short staffed for decades, clearly, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's but we're just... more into business now, right? We're in more, we're not really into healthcare. We're more into business. And if you're not willing to align with that position, then you know what? You're, you're retaliated against and whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. If you, and even the last place that I came from, and I'm not even going to go to those details, but if you stand up for against basically what, what is the business of healthcare mm-hmm. five years in, do you know it? No. 10 years in, you kind of start saying, I'm 23 years in. It's no illusion to me when you walk into any organization, unless it does not funded by CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicare. So who was that? Uh, No one. Unless you're straight up doing plastics or Mm -hmm. dental. I mean, that's you. So you're in the business of healthcare. And the ones who've been in it for a while, it's just harder and harder to stomach. And we're being retaliated against. Yes. Yes. And called a witch hunt. Because like anyone else who's spoken up, it's all the things. They just sometimes don't necessarily mess with me as much or will make sure that they're dotting their I's and crossing their T's because I'll sling out things like, oh, wait, hold on. 217-1-A-S-T, that's in Texas, unsafe assignment. So S is, I believe, you making that assignment and T is me accepting that. So, I mean, I could be wrong here. Did, Did you still want me to do that? But don't kid yourself. You know, I still get retaliated against. That's why I'm not mm-hmm. the bedside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. So talking about our licenses and our and our profession and what it's become nowadays, can we go ahead and slip into then like the three different branches of law, so to speak, that kind of affect our our professional licenses? If you can kind of describe civil and criminal and administrative and kind of break those down for us a little bit, because that's what worries me is because of this witch hunt or whatever you want to call it, you know, our licenses are at stake and that's our livelihood, literally, you know, and, and like you, I've been a nurse a while. I've been a nurse. This will be my 29th year. And it, if I wasn't a nurse, like yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I would do. What would I do? You know, I, I'm too old and fat to, to slide on the pole. You know, it's like, I don't know what else I would do. So talk about these different laws and regulations that affect our licenses. Uh, Thank you for asking that, because that is something that I do lead when I do any kind of teaching or speaking or mentoring. Mm -hmm. The first thing that we have to talk about is administrative law, because when you were handed your license, you were actually handed your administrative law license. And most nurses don't really understand what that means. And we are not taught enough about that in school. It's like, you know, something that's like breezed over. And the administrative law are the rules and regulations, either for us in Texas, that is by the border nursing. Not every state has what we know to be a border nursing. It is under health and human services. 
It's just the entity that is giving you the privilege to practice and it's driven by law. You'll go to, I'm trying to think of a state that's not coming to me right off the top of my head, but you'll just go under health and human services and it'll be the rules and regulations. And it'll say specifically scope of practice for nurses, right? You'll find it for sure. So that is administrative law. So when does that cross over into civil? Civil is, I'm going to sue you. Civil is when we think of traditionally, when we think of lawsuits and we think of money, we -hmm. think of a physician being sued for Mm -hmm. medical malpractice, but that's also nurses. Mm -hmm. So again, another stat that I like to pull in and I have done civil expert work as well. That was my first crossover out of the border. Nursing was into medical malpractice as a civil expert in like the ICU, the ER settings that I had experience in. Mm-hmm. And so that that is different. That is going to be what a prudent nurse order would not do in the same or similar circumstances. That is a different type of standard. And we are seeing that it's not just the physician that's being reported, it is the nurse. And so that is the second type of case. So the, the thing with that is if you are, let's say, named or you're found negligent in a civil case, like mm-hmm. it goes all the way through and they actually find you negligent, not that you were just like named somewhere in the body or you got deposed, but it didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about that. I'm actually talking about they actually found you as the nurse negligent of failure to whatever it is that when you go to renew your license will have a question and I can't tell you. And there it is. I saw your face and there it is. It that's, and I can't tell you the specific language because every state is different, but it does ask you, have you been, you know, found negligent in a civil case? And you know what you have to say? Yes. Right. Now you're standing there as well. So then now if for some reason it's criminal, So, and we're not talking about the nurses that are intentionally harming patients. So let's just get that out of the way. Right. Let's just say there's a medication error. There's something you, we've seen these in the media, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, right? We've seen nurses for different things, accepting an unsafe assignment, a medication Mm -hmm. error. Things don't, don't align with just culture. What we know, just culture, just culture for nurses who don't know what that means is the intersection between a human error, which we know is reality. It doesn't matter what profession you're in. Human error is real. The Institute of Medicine talks about this. To err is human. The um, Institute for Safe Medical Practices talks about this. So it's literally the intersection of, uh, unfortunately, human error and nursing or healthcare. Unfortunate things happen. So we have to put things in place to create safety. One of those things being the ability to safely report things so that system errors don't happen or, you know, processes change. But that could lend you in a criminal uh, case or, or you get a DUI as a nurse. You, that's, that's, even if it's, adjudicated and that's when they're a word nurses don't know but it's adjudicated or i pled that is guilt to the board of nursing but i'm just on probation no those are probably one of the most common reasons why nurses reach out to me or a nurse reached out to me a dui that rose to felony oh wow oh, so yeah. that got different either it was maybe 
the and I don't know criminal like that. Maybe it was the damages to the car or the the patient or I don't know. But for whatever reason, that DUI rose to felony. Most states have language that say, as a nurse, if you have a felony, you're not a nurse. Right. They'll normally ask you for uh for you to surrender your license, depending on the conduct. Like if it's just so gross, they're just going to revoke it. Again, this is just my opinion and my experience. I'm not a lawyer. I don't give legal advice. I was trained as a as an investigator. I had to go to national training, and then I've been helping nurses and their legal team for about eight years. So in these, this is all in my experience, but if it rises to that level in most states, a felony and even common sense, just think about a common sense level, right? You know, you're not going to practice. So that's administrative, civil and criminal and the criminal you do understand will then of course, end you in front of the order nursing. Right, right. So obviously then you, you recommend that nurses should carry their own malpractice insurance. Right. Yes. Another great question. Because again, people are like, that's going to go after me. Who knows you have it besides you? Mm-hmm. No one. Honestly, no one does. And then you're sitting at the table. You don't think the physician doesn't have their own. They do. Of course so they now do. You're yeah. sitting at the table. It's the physician, their legal counsel, you, the hospital and their legal counsel. Who's cutting whose check here? Mm-hmm. It's no mystery. And then look at this. You're fired. You're terminated from the hospital and now you're standing in front of the water nursing. You don't have a job. And so you don't have liability insurance, which would afford you that administrative lawyer. So right. How much money did you have in reserve for that? Yeah. So you're really left hanging dry. Right. Cause to hire an attorney is tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the retainer alone is several thousand. And then, you know, each hour is I've seen them as much as $300 an hour. And every phone oh, call, you know, you make with them, the clock is ticking, right? Uh, yeah, so it's tens of thousands of dollars usually to have an attorney throughout a process. And let's just talk about medical mal- medical malpractice or liability insurance. I mean, I have not seen, if you're a nurse practitioner or you're a licensed independent practitioner, you own your own business, you're in a high-risk population, mm-hmm. your liability insurance might be a little bit more expensive. But right. honestly, you're not looking at more than two to three hundred dollars a year. Mine is a little bit over a hundred a year. Yeah, I, I'm not a prescriber, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, RN working full time. Mine is, I think, it's a little over a hundred a year. What eleven bucks a month? I mean, it's it's so worth it when I think of it. But I'll be honest, I went I went for a while without it. Um, I was under that old impression, you know, if you don't carry insurance, they won't sue you because they assume you don't have money. But, but then I realized, um, and this was after I became a homeowner, and I thought, well, you know, I might not have liquid assets, but I have a home, I have 401k, you know, so truly, I, you know, I have net worth that, that I'm sure they'll go over. So that's why I started picking it up again. And I had it as a student, too. I, I think they recommend students get, I mean, that just, again, it's insurance, it's like any insurance, right? It's like home insurance, I have renter's insurance, a car insurance, it's just so worth it. You know, it's, it's scary to not have it in my opinion. Agree. 5,000% because it is, no one's, no one's going to be there for you. So it is, again, it is just like you said, home life, pray that you never need it, but it is there for sure. And it's just too reasonable. It is way too reasonable. Right. Let's talk about the nurse practice act. I'm always amazed when I read uh, social media comments 
and someone will ask a question, you know, for example, like, oh, what, what continuing education do I need, you know, this year? My license is due next month. And I'm like, well, that's in your nurse practice. Act. You know, <laughs> like, you better read that and figure it out. People will ask what their scope of practice is. They'll say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm an LVN or an RN. Can I do this? Can I do that? And I'm like, well, that's in your scope. You know, it's and then, and then their answer to me is, where do I find that? And that just surprises me. And again, I think a lot of it might be education. I don't think it's talked about much in schools. At least it wasn't in the 90s when I graduated. I mean, they mentioned it. They mentioned Nurse Practice Act, but um, that's it. Talk about the importance of, of knowing your Nurse Practice Act. Right. And actually, Texas does have a pretty good one because it even has like FNQs. For one of the things that I do, because like you, I do get comments. People ask me, like, I have an LPN, can I triage? Or licensed vocational practical nurse. I not only taught them for a short period of time, you know, I went right to, it doesn't say, it doesn't say specifically in the Nurse Practice Act, an LPN cannot triage. It goes on to talk about initial assessment. Uh, LPN cannot do initial assessment. Then you need to be able to extrapolate from there what is triage, a complex initial assessment. But for some reason, sometimes like you just stated, nurses have this problem with getting there. Mm -hmm. And so the Texas Board of Nursing doesn't have a put out where it doesn't even say. And I did a TikTok about this and I even read what they even talk about because of the limited scope of practice of an LVN or LPN. Those are the same words. People use them interchangeably. Mm -hmm. They're not able to triage. And not only that, because of their limited education, the person on the phone is not educated speaking to you, right? So therefore, your limited scope of practice, the two of you together is basically what they said, just a disaster waiting to happen. It's just not appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, just like you said, there are other things like Cornell Law, where it will dumb down your Nurse Practice Act. And I get asked that all the time. Mm -hmm. Put in scope of practice, Nebraska. Iowa, California, I guarantee you, you're going to come up with something. Not every state has position statements. What is a position statement? A position statement, I'll quote one for Texas, 1514 is a position statement passed in 1983 that says that as a nurse in this state, I have a duty to a patient that supersedes a hospital policy or physician order. There's also a position statement on conscious sedation. Now, this is a great one to even talk about. The position statement does have limitations. And the position statement for conscious sedation, and I know this because in my master's degree, I created a tool, whether a nurse should sedate or an anesthesia provider sedate. So I went to my own state as well to get guidance. It says monitoring to be blood pressure, uh, respiratory rate, everything but entitled CO2, because that's evidence-based science that's new. It has everything on there but entitled. But if you were under investigation by a board, I can guarantee you, if you've reported, it's because your hospital policy said that you were supposed to be following that standard. The minimum is the position statement, which is different than the rules and regulations, which do not provide you the guidance for conscious sedation like that position statement does. So does that kind of explain it better? Oh, absolutely. And especially that first position statement you mentioned about how, how our act, you know, supersedes again, like a physician's order or even hospital, you know, recommendations or orders or stuff like that, because Again, like, so if the physician would write for, you know, whatever, 5,000 milligrams of morphine, and, and even if we ask him, and well, he, well, I asked him twice, and he said it was the right order. 
So I, that's why I gave it. That is not enough. That is not an excuse, right? In Texas, that is, that specific statement is specific to Texas because a patient came to the emergency room. Most nurses know this um, in Texas, complaining of chest pain, 1983. So we're not talking about having chest pain services. Mm -hmm. The nurse went to the physician and was like, hey, so patient has chest pain. He was like, we don't, basically, we don't have anything to offer them. Tell them to go down the street. Patient did, had a bad outcome. Obviously, litigation brings it back to full circle, even back in 1983. Litigation with the nurse happened and but it rose to the position where the board of nursing got involved and created a position statement that says, right, that a nurse has a duty to the patient that supersedes a physician order or a hospital policy. So that does mean that, yes, if you have to lay yourself over the patient's body, whatever it is, you are their advocate. And that ties back to staffing. Now, every state doesn't have that position statement, but I guarantee you, they have language in there that talks about your duty to the patient. And you know this from the ANA, the Code of Ethics, all the stuff that we get beat down in school. You know that there's language in every rule regulation out there that they will pull to use against you. Absolutely. Right, right. Because it's all about safe assignments and safety and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's not enough to just say, well, no, I was I was given too many patients. There was nothing I could do about it. You don't have to state. accept them. Right, exactly. Right. Yes. Yes. Well, and then even touching on that. So on the last uh, meeting I went to at the Texas Nurses Association, they were having a changeover and the lawyer was there for the Texas Nurses Association. They have lawyers. These associations have lawyers. Mm -hmm. So it was at the end. It was question and answers. And so I was like, oh, hey, hey, me. I knew the answer, but my people were talking about pay and staffing. So I asked the lawyer, sir, if a nurse knowingly and willingly takes on an unsafe assignment, is that the definition of medical malpractice? Yes. Gasps in the audience. I said, please repeat that. If a nurse knowingly and willingly takes on an unsafe assignment, that is the definition of medical malpractice, correct? So this is why we have to teach people our boundaries. We have to know the rules and regulations that govern our our license because do you think they're going to stand to defend us? No way. No. So that, and that's, I agree. I'm, I'm like you, we got to get the word out. We have to empower our nurses because as a younger nurse, I wouldn't have been brave enough to not accept a dangerous, you know, assignment. There's no way. There's no, I would have been, oh, okay, okay. I don't know how I'll do it, but okay, I'll take it. You know, so we can't do that nowadays. We we can't get away with well, it anymore. And then where was your charge nurse? You know what I mean? That's where we have to stand united. The bullying, the abuse against one another, like I don't tolerate it. Stop. We are all in this together. We have to stand united so that, you know what? We set our boundaries. And then again, I would come and I, I would come to your aid or whatever that looked like, especially if I was in charge. Tell me about what's happening. Okay. And right. then that's when I help advocate for you because the charge nurse making my $1 more an hour with my years of experience. Right. right? That's my duty to you as well. But that's why it can't be this nurses who have five seconds of experience as a charge nurse. That has to end. If you don't have more than five years experience, please remove yourself from charge. Don't do that. I agree. It's irresponsible. Don't do that to us. No. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I love my people and we can do this in a respectful, professional manner. Mm -hmm. I promise you, we can. It can be done. We have to stand united and we will reteach them how to not only teach us, but how to respect us and the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. See what else? Oh, another thing is um, employer, you know, policies and procedures. That's another thing that, again, I see a lot of questions on different social media. And especially, uh, I'm a wound care nurse, so I see a lot of my wound care forums. Um, 
what's the proper procedure for this? What's the proper way to do this? And having worked at several facilities, I can tell them it depends on your employee. Please refer to your employer's policy and procedure handbook. Again, a lot of things are the same, but but a few things are, you know, well, no, this employer likes it done this way, or they use this device or this procedure, whatever. So please refer to your employer's procedures instead of asking it on a group, you know, because so then if they do it wrong, what are they going to say? Well, wound care Karen said to do it this way. <laughs> You know, it's like, no, 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 please follow. Well, and wound care Karen is not going to come and testify because what they will have on the big screen is your employee file with the checkbox that you got the education and you read the policy, even if you didn't, they don't care. And they'll have that policy on the big screen. And that's a very valid point. Like you, I've done local, I've done travel. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably, you know, 50 different facilities. And just like you said, when I've worked ICU or the emergency, especially ICU, we'll use that one. Mm -hmm. I can draw an arterial blood gas. I've been trained to do that. I have had my boxes checked off to do that. Some facilities, you don't draw blood gases. Respiratory does. Again, is it right. within my scope as, as a nurse to draw a blood ca- gas? If I have the education, training, and knowledge, and let me say that word again, as long as you have the education, training, and knowledge, then I can perform that task. But like you said, if I'm at a facility that specifically says respiratory therapy doesn't, and I'm like, no, no I'm just going to, I can do it. Right. Look, you have no leg to stand on. No. Yes. Yes, and, and we talked about this. Know those. Yeah, and we talked about this before. I think it came up in one of your posts uh, about a pick line. Uh, the question was, um, uh, you know, who who can pull a pick line? And I had a perfect example because it happened to me um, in our outpatient wound care clinic. A patient was coming every day for hyperbaric treatment, and he had a pick line, and he was done with his um, IV antibiotics. So of course he asked. He's like, "Well, I'm coming here every day. Hey, you guys are nurses. Can you pull this pick line?" Um, and honestly, one of the nurses I worked with was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And I'm like, hold on a sec. And I pulled him aside. I'm like, you know, our we're an outpatient wound clinic, and that's not in our scope. And he's like, oh, but don't you know how to do it? Oh, no, I know how to do it. I've pulled several pick lines as an inpatient nurse. But in our wound care clinic, that's not in our scope. So if something had gone wrong while we pulled it in our outpatient wound care clinic, how could I have justified that to the hospital and the lawyers and the, you know, whoever else we were in trouble with? How could I have justified that as, as the nurse manager? I couldn't. And I'm so glad I said no, because two weeks later, uh, the patient missed a couple of days of daily hyperbarics. And then when he came back, I said, oh, you know, Mr. So-and-so, gosh, where have you been? He said, oh, well, the funniest thing happened to me, Karen. He said, I, I was at my infusion center for them to remove my pick line and something happened. A piece of it broke off. He said they actually had to take me to surgery and there it is that little end piece removed. And And I mean, he was fine. Thank heavens and everything. But again, had that happened on my watch as nurse manager, even if I wasn't the nurse pulling it, you know, but I would have been in trouble. The nurse pulling it would have been in trouble. My MD would have been in trouble. My pro, you know, we, it's not what we do in our area. And so that's why I wouldn't allow it. And I'm I'm so glad I, I stood my ground again. So that, that comes back to just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. So please right. again, always that's... check, right? Always check your, your employer's procedures and policies for sure. And that right there just tells me that even that nurse, the lack of education, because as someone who's worked interventional radiology, who's worked in patient units as well, that pick line was measured. And so mm-hmm. when you go to remove it, there's a whole protocol with removal. Do you have the, when it was placed, do you have the measurements? You don't. Right. How would what we know the measurements? Yeah. No. Correct. Correct. So solid. That's the other thing. Yes. And as someone who's worked 
worked again IR. Well, we have to go trying to retrieve that. Or now mm-hmm. they had an MI or PE or exactly. stroke. Now defend that because you didn't have a policy. Anything again? Just like you said, leave your ego at the door. Because mm-hmm. again, just because you can doesn't mean you can't in that setting. Absolutely right. Be be proud of your skills and accomplishments, but it but it doesn't mean you can just use them willy nilly. You know, follow your employers procedures and policies for sure. So you're just a wealth of information, Maggie. Can you let everyone know where they can find your website, your handles on TikTok, et cetera? And, and I'll also include this in my show notes, but where can folks find you? Sure. All, I don't get crazy. Advocates for nurses, number four or for.com at Gmail, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. There's, you know, TikTok I hear is going away. I'm on Instagram I'm on, and I'm on Facebook as well. So Great. absolutely um, reach out to me. Awesome. Uh, but before we leave, and I ask this of my, all my guests, because I'm, I'm a big Hollywood fan and movies and TV entertainment. So if you were to have a movie made about you, who would you have starring as you? You know, I thought about this and it would have to be someone who's, because I'm a total activist. So it would mm-hmm. have to be like who you would totally think traditionally, like a Jane Fonda or yes. like a Meryl Streep oh, or you know, even Dolly. Dolly doesn't, mm-hmm. isn't like overtly, people don't see her as overtly, but she is. If you look at some of her old music, she is one like an old female activist. So it yes. would have to be someone who who is a female activist for sure. So I would be honored any of those ladies for sure. Oh, that's awesome. That's a perfect answer. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for what you do. Thanks for being a nurse advocate. I've just learned so much for you. And I really do encourage everyone to follow Maggie. Um, Thank you so much for joining me today. I just, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate your time. No, absolutely. I love helping nurses and I'd rather educate than defend, you know, hope (laughs) to defend again. I am not a lawyer. I don't give legal advice. I do nurse case management and I help nurses and their legal team when they're under investigation. But I would rather educate and prevent nurses than them, you know, come to me upset because I do do a support group for nurses because that is a big deal, right? Because our people, you know, the incidence of suicide side of mental health stuff if they're investigated. So we have to support one another, honestly. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you're doing it in a really big way. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, baby. I'm sure we'll talk later. Thanks. Okay, folks. So here's a few takeaways or things I learned from Maggie, my nurse advocate. And these aren't in any particular order. Number one, know your nurse practice act. It has your scope of practice in it. It's easy to find. Just enter into your search engine, Nurse Practice Act, and then the state you live in. Number two, know where to find your employer's policies and procedures and follow them. Number three, carry malpractice insurance. Number four, always advocate for patient safety. Do not accept an unsafe assignment. So if you do all of these things, then you will be protected from any civil, criminal, or administrative proceedings against your license. And by the way, the podcast that Maggie and I were referring to earlier, it's from a podcast called Renegade, and the title is Dude, It's Simple Math. And they interviewed Robert Wingo. He's an informatics nurse, and it's a really cool podcast. You should check it out. Renegade called Dude, It's Simple Math. And you might even be able to earn a CE if you follow their directions. 
Folks, this podcast was recorded in my studio on the hill in San Antonio, Texas in March of 2023. It was produced and edited by Wound Care Karen, and I did it all with a little kitty on my lap. The views expressed here belong to me and my guest and not our employer or affiliates. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give me a five-star review. If you have ideas for future podcast content, please drop me a line at contact at woundcarecaren.com or message me on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And remember folks, time does not heal all wounds. So if you find that to be the case, please seek help from a wound care professional.